Well, I don't want to meet the man on those terms. Oh, God, does he listen? Is he going to listen to this? Welcome to Good Bad Show. I am Andy. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast where we talk about things, good things, bad things. Sometimes in between things that we can't decide about. Things that are maybe undeniably so. Or things that are just, I don't know, just a thing. I don't know. I don't know what to do about this. Welcome to Good Bad Show, the show where our intro gets more and more waffly as the show goes on. We should do waffles at some point. Ooh, I got a lot of things to say about waffles. Waffles are undeniably better than pancakes because you got syrup holes. Mm, see, that's a big statement. Mm-hmm. You're, you're coming right out of the gate with that, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, it's funny you brought up waffles and pancakes because tonight I want to talk about taste, like how you taste waffles and pancakes. Oh, perfect. That kind of taste? Like tasting food? Exactly. That kind of taste and very literally that kind of taste and nothing else. No, I want to talk about taste. Because there's a through line kind of woven through the episodes we've been recording, I think. Yes. Which leads me to believe that you and I have a different perspective on taste in art, culture, media, food, whatever. And I kind of want, I want to plumb those depths. I'm, I'm willing to explore that I with you. I want to mine that ore. Sure. I want to tap that well. Mm, all right. We can do that. <laughs> You're allow it to happen, too. The third one I was going to allow, yeah. Just the third one. Yeah. So, taste to me, I think developing taste is important. I strive to develop taste in the things that I care about. Sure. Uh, this is something that I think comes as a byproduct of exposure to things. It's something that I think comes as a byproduct of how you approach your exposure to something and how much you process it, uh, make space in your life to think about it and let it kind of impact you. Uh, how much for me personally, I know that I get a lot more out of things when I read the history behind them and kind of have a better understanding of full context. Oh my gosh, a big giant cute dog just walked by the window. It's very big. <laughs> uh, um, this is the thing that's, that's important. I would say this is one of the ways that defines how I move through the world and live my life, which is that I would like to appreciate the best things I can, uh, especially the things which are of the type of things that I love. And I get the sense from you being uh notably reticent to defend your taste as being any better than anyone else's or anyone else's mm -hmm. taste as being any better than yours that do you have the idea of like do you believe that taste can be developed do you believe that you can improve in your understanding and your appreciation of a certain type of thing in a way that matters yeah i think i think there's a useful way in which you can develop your taste uh the thing i'm not totally decided on is can your taste actually get uh, better in any sort of measurable way? And then also, like, how useful is that actually? Uh, I, I obviously uh, spend a lot of my time attempting to develop my own taste, and I would love to find an answer to that, to the kind of uh, the great big question of what is good. That's why we do this all the time. But I don't know if I can ever get to the point where I can say, well, clearly, my taste is better than your taste for these reasons. And very few people, I think, are willing to make that statement because it makes you sound like a monster. Sure. And people don't want to sound like monsters. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, I think it's, you know, it's very notoriously an arrogant, uh, kind of hipster, elitist, dismissive position to take, where it's like, oh, you don't even understand the kind of bands I'm into. You, you wouldn't even get it. It's the best, though, and whatever. That, there's a reason people shy away from that. And I, I see a lot of that kind of uh, posturing or rather posturing against that, right? Like the idea that everyone's opinion is equal and everyone's taste matters and you don't get to tell anybody 
uh, you know, that they do or don't, the thing they like uh, is or is not more important or more meaningful or more worthy of attention than something else that they may or may not like. I, I yeah. see a lot of this kind of like, you know, group hug, everybody's all the same, let's treat everybody equally in terms of our taste, which you know, I think it's delicate to try and talk about it without coming across like a monster, but that's not how I feel at all. Uh, well, because I think, I think that happens for two reasons. I think the first reason is, of course, you don't look like some sort of evil monster. Yep. But I think the second reason is that um, it's, it is very difficult to come up with some sort of undeniable reason that your taste is better. If you had to argue it, I would be willing to bet even, even experts in their field would have a hard time really pinning down exactly why um, beyond you know, kind of usefulness in their field. See, I just, I, I don't think it's that difficult, right? Like if I sit down with somebody that's a professional chef and they're like, listen, I've eaten 15,000 hamburgers and I, I know what a good hamburger is. And let me tell you about a good hamburger. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, well, hold on, buddy. <laughs> I got my own opinions about hamburgers. I'm going to be all ears. <laughs> I want to know what makes a good hamburger. I want to know the best hamburger this person's ever eaten because that experience is real. It's tangible. I think it has value in a way that people are very eager to write off. Uh, and on the flip side of that, the, the, the most obvious thing to me is if you take somebody who grew up in a culture without hamburgers and you give them their very first hamburger ever, how equipped is that person to tell you whether that's a good hamburger or not? Oh, probably uh, not at all. Zero but percent. I think, they don't but even, I think they don't even have thing... a working definition of the thing in terms of their palate because this is the first time I've ever had it. So here's, here's one thing we are definitely talking about, right? We're talking about taste within a category, right? We're talking about uh there's some here like here's a thing with a definition a hamburger a hamburger has meat it has uh it has bread around it maybe maybe it has a couple other identifiable things but when we're talking about a good hamburger we're talking about some sort of definable object right i would say that but i feel like your position on the show would be to go well that's not undeniably a hamburger but it's, i'm glad you're willing to agree no i'm willing i am definitely willing i think it's useful to define things in the in the same way like i feel like we do we could do this uh with a chair right like i feel like a lot of philosophers have used the idea of a chair yep. to test against things uh i think it's useful to do that with a hamburger too sure absolutely the way i was going with it was that uh is this something that could be extrapolated and more universal or does every cuz i would think it has to be always defined within something or it has to always fit within some sort of definable object or category so that we know what we're testing against that's well, yeah. kind of i mean in, in my pursuit of understanding what good is it's not on this like macro level like i want to know what a good hamburger is i want to know what a good bicycle is i want to know what a good uh interior design for a room is i want to know what a good things are like there are always there's always a, a subject of that of that definition. And so, yeah, like that's, yes, I'm not looking for like global taste. Like I'm not saying this person has just a objectively good taste across the board. Everything they pick out is the best because I don't think that fits inside one person. I don't think you can possibly know or experience all of those things. So maybe the, the best way to go about this then is what if we take the example of a hamburger and we just go down that path and we come up with all the ways in which you can define a good and bad hamburger. And then through that definition, we end up with an expert, right? Like, this person judges it this way, this way, this way, this way, and we get to the end of that, maybe we have some sort of actual way to judge a hamburger that we can either agree on or disagree on. You Like, you and I want to do that right now? Maybe. I don't feel like I have the experience. I'm not the hamburger expert. I don't, I don't have but that you experience. Could, but you could, well, we could, we could do it with anything. We could do it with any single object, and we come up with categories for what makes it. Like, I'm not saying, uh, you know, you need to be an expert in meat quality to come up with a category 
of how to define a good hamburger. But I think we can both agree, like, one thing you just said earlier, you definitely have to have some sort of basis for comparison. You have to have eaten thousands of hamburgers and also have a general idea of other food to know what it is not in order to have good taste in hamburgers. Yeah. Right? And to me, that's the same with everything that goes across movies, music, uh, art, all those things. Like, to show somebody the first painting they've ever seen, ask them how good of a painting it is, and that person's not equipped to understand that. And I don't think it's like a threshold where once you've seen 100 paintings, your opinion matters just as much as anybody else that's seen 15,000 paintings. I think the more you see, the more you're informed, the more you're aware of context, the more you're aware of what to look for, the more that you actually have learned a thing which has value and shouldn't be written off by the very idea that everyone's taste is equal. Which is, the, which is the thing I keep coming back to, because I think one of the big reasons that people do this, like I've said, is that they think it's the like progressive, liberal opinion to say that everybody's taste is equal, and uh, I, know, I don't know better than you about this particular subject field or this particular area, and I, I don't know what good rap is, who does, there's no such thing as good rap, everything's subjective. Like, to say that is, yes, in one way, to humble yourself, because you're saying, I don't have any expertise, which feels good for people to say, I think, to say, like, your opinion is as good as mine, we're on a level playing field. But it feels good because they're looking down on people usually and saying, I'm bringing you up to where I am. It doesn't feel good if you sit down across the table from a professional chef and you say, well, I really think that food is subjective, so uh, let's you and I come to an equal playing field here. Like, you're writing off other people's expertise and opinions when you take the position that taste is totally subjective. I I really feel that way. I actually think we kind of have to just split it into two different things and and talk about, because I I think we're using the same word to define two different things, but I'm going to give you two examples. The first example is the the chef that we're talking about, and we're talking about you, Andy, and the chef talking about hamburgers. You're both, while while different degrees, you're both people in pursuit of good hamburger, right? You both care about that. Yeah, I want a good hamburger for sure. Now let's talk about a person who's never had a hamburger, who doesn't like hamburgers, who has no interest in it, and the chef. There's no way that chef, like, that chef gives this guy a great hamburger, a, an undeniably good hamburger. He bites into it and he says, I don't like it. There's no arguing with the I don't like it taste, right? No, just because kind of like, not everyone is supposed to like everything. But there is arguing with, okay, you don't have to like it. But that person can't bite into that and go, this is a bad hamburger. Because but I, don't I know. do think there is, but I do think there is uh, some sort of useful conclusion you can come to with the two people who are in pursuit of a good hamburger. Do you know what I mean by that? That there's the like, I, I, my take is you can't argue with the I, I like it or I don't like it. That's a subjective taste thing. Can't argue with that. But you could come to some sort of useful philosophy about good hamburgers if, you, if you're two people in pursuit of a thing and you think that's a useful endeavor. Well, I, I really think all you're saying, which is an important thing to say, is that it's not that the intent matters so much, right? It doesn't matter that I am seeking a good hamburger, because I could also be seeking a good hamburger and just say, this is a bad hamburger to that guy, and then, you know, what? Uh, what you're really saying is that these things need to be backed up by explanations, right? Like, if the person yes. has never had a hamburger, eats a hamburger and says, I don't think this is a bad hamburger, you just go, okay, well, you're not even on the roadmap of people that know things about hamburgers, so get out of here. Yep. If I, somebody that has cooked some hamburgers, eaten a lot of hamburgers, uh, have a hamburger and say, I think it's a bad hamburger, the chef's going to go, okay, why? Let's talk about it and expect me to be able to defend my position, which, yes, I, I think that's critically important to understanding what makes things good and bad. And I think that discourse about things is one of the ways that an entire industry moves forward. Um, I think some industries, some creative industries that I, that I feel have stagnated or 
maybe are new and haven't really grown to their full potential are ones that lack any kind of critical discourse about the thing. Right. And, and, you know, a perfect example. (laughs) It doesn't have enough people who have eaten 10,000 hamburgers, 20,000 hamburgers yet. Yeah. And I think a perfect example, honestly, not to be too weird and self-referential, is podcasts. I think podcasts are relatively new in terms of, like, media that a lot of people are consuming. uh, And everyone is a new news article every, you know, six months about something. It's getting more, how podcasts are getting more popular, becoming the next big thing. But what podcasts lack that music has, that fine art has, that movies have, uh, is a culture of discourse, right? A culture yeah. of being critical and writing about things and celebrating the best things. And it's starting to crop up, right? You know, like the AV Club will do their best comedy podcast of the year and they'll do their awards. And uh, there are people that write reviews of podcasts sometimes, but not until that culture grows more and we have established communication channels to talk about what makes things good and bad, it can the art really thrive. And to me, that's the same as the conversation sitting at the table about the guy about the hamburger, right? You're saying, you're expecting me to have a conversation with that man about why I don't like that hamburger or that woman. And well, I'm person- actually not even expecting you to have the conversation. I think it's just like a different thing where you say, hey, do you like it or do you not like it? It's not even really something that could be argued. And I think when we come to our differences in this, I may be talking about the guy who just doesn't like the hamburger, and that's just kind of a subjective thing you can't argue about. But I do think the second one, where it's two people in pursuit of some sort of goal, possibly a definition or a rubric or something, that's a useful thing. It doesn't negate the, the I don't like a hamburger guy. But it might be useful to kind of build this thing in pursuit of the best hamburger that there can be. No, and my pursuit of good and bad things is never to say that you are not allowed to like something that you like or not allowed to dislike something you dislike, because that's just free will. Like, I'm not trying to argue anybody should <laughs> like or dislike anything. That seems bonkers. And I do think people conflate that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, that's, I think that's probably the basis of any sort of disagreement we've ever had about this stuff. Which, but, I mean, it's the, same, it comes, it's the same topic, right, of how much does popularity matter. I'm still standing by my flag in the ground that popularity does not matter in terms of whether something is good or bad. It not, does not affect it. It's, you know, circumstantial. Some things are good and popular. Some things are bad and popular. Some things are good and not popular. Some things are bad and not popular. There's no meaningful correlation. Uh, and that's why I'm saying, like, it doesn't, like... It, that's why those things, those things match up in my brain, right? Like, this can be a great thing. And I don't, it's not even that it's not popular because people haven't realized it yet or it's some undiscovered gem. It's because something can be great and a bunch of people, and most people just don't like it. And that's a totally fine thing. Uh, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why this topic is so meaningful to me is because that is, that defines everything I, I fight for when I'm trying to make something in the world is I want to make the yeah. good thing. I, yes. I don't really want to make the popular thing. Uh, I really, I mean, at all. I don't at all want to make the popular thing. And it's taking, you know, a decade of making work publicly to try and figure out how I split those hairs and define those differences. But that's why it's so important to me. So yeah, I, people can like what they like. Everyone can go and love McDonald's. They can think that's their favorite hamburger and eat more of them than any other hamburger. That's probably the truth. But that doesn't make it a good hamburger. And if you care about hamburgers, then you should care about the good ones, probably. I agree. I think if we're gonna if we're gonna care about a thing, let's pursue the undeniably good version of it. Should we move further down the path? If you got further down this path to go, I mean, I I feel like uh... well, we've just all we've really done is said that it's it's a useful endeavor. So it's a useful endeavor. Okay, what are we gonna do with that? Well, yeah, I, I just want to make sure we are on the same page that like exposure to something makes you and it's not just exposure; it's exposure with thoughtfulness and usually exposure in the context of. A discourse and uh, yes. education is a good way to guarantee that you're going to have the discourse, right? The reason that you do readings in school and then you come to a seminar and discuss them 
or the reasons that you do readings, you know, for homework, and you go to a lecture and the and person talks about it is because that's really the important part. Like, reading books is great. And if you're really self driven, you can, you know, get a lot out of things on your own in a solitary way. But I think that being in a community of people that are pursuing like minded goals, you know, turns it up to 11. It's a huge, like, you know, turbo patch, Mario Kart style for for how much you actually get out of the material that you're experiencing. So yep. it's exposure plus some sense of critical eye or discourse to the thing that makes you have a, a better appreciation for it. And you agree with this? Yes. So I find it strange that you agree with this because I don't feel like I've gotten you to admit that like there is a good version of, of a thing. Like it, it seems like you're still on this in this place where if someone, if a bunch of people don't like this Kobe beef hamburger at some bougie Manhattan restaurant that costs sixty dollars and they think it doesn't taste good, then it's just not a good hamburger or whatever. Uh, you know, apply that to any album that undersold that what you thought it should perform. Or like, I, I feel like you're. I haven't, I haven't heard you talk about good and bad in the way that you feel like it really exists. And and to me, that's why taste. That's why developing taste matters because it's going down that journey and recognizing that. There is a goal, and it's one of these goals that's like, you know, an asymptote, right? Like, there's no perfect good. You're never going to get there and totally understand the, the, the algorithm and the, the mixture and the recipe so you can just every time turn out great whatevers. Uh, it's that you are giving, getting ever closer. And, and actually, it's, it's really diminishing returns, right? Like, it really is like an asymptote where the first 80% of the things you learn about hamburgers, you're going to, you know be pretty darn good at making a hamburger. Like you're going to be in the top <laughs> yeah. 0.5% of the population if you learn 80% of the stuff about hamburgers. And as you go to 90% and 95% and 98% and 99%, you're getting only marginally better relative to all the hamburgers in existence. But because you possess all the context and all the awareness, that means a lot to you. And yeah, and I think, well, I think here's the thing uh, that maybe you're picking up on and the maybe reasons I've disagreed with you in the past or that uh, I haven't come to the conclusion that, like, I haven't, I haven't been so easy, or it hasn't seemed so easy to me as opposed to you about just saying this is good and, that, and it's done. I think the way I'm, I'm approaching everything is, like, I want to put every, I want everything to be, like, a, a, a definable thing that we can approach, right? Like, a hamburger is bread with meat in the middle, right? And we can, we can define that further, but we do have to have some sort of definition to uh judge other things by to say that this is and isn't a hamburger and that's something you've agreed with too right well the yeah idea but that i this think is it's a good important. movie and not uh a good automobile yeah but i think it's important that one of the things that happens when you get really deep in any culture is that the people that are going to the 98 and 99 percents where they disagree is on usually the definition of the thing and it's in subtle ways that nobody cares about but you know one person's like well a hamburger should really be this and some person's like well no a hamburger should really be this and that's the kind of like pedantry that I don't think is actually meaningful or productive compared to the journey to get there. Like well, once you're at the I, point where I you can think... be discussing the differences between a sous vide Kobe beef hamburger versus, uh, you know, uh, American, you know, hamburger that was thrown on a grill and that was smoked for a while. Like once you're discussing whether, which of those is more of a hamburger, like that's the job for like the Webster's Dictionary, not what I consider the job of like seeking out good in the world. Well, but the, I think that's where I was going to go with that is that we've talked about things that could get that are pretty close to that line, I would say. 
Um, and so we end up closer to the trying to figure out what the definition of it in order to understand if something is good or not. I think that's why bread is very easy because it's like, well, maybe we disagree about the fact that yeast is included in the recipe or something, but generally we have a pretty good idea of what it is. And so, uh, has your dad say, still not accepted the fact that yeast just naturally occurs in flour? I have, I have no idea. He texted that to me one time and I forwarded it to you. Hey, everybody, my dad texted me that Andy forgot yeast and bread recipes in part of our initial episode, and Andy can't let it go. I explained that yeast <laughs> occurs naturally in flour. To me, not to him. I just let well, it go. I don't want to meet the man on those terms. Oh, God, does he listen? <laughs> Is he going to listen to this? <laughs> Maybe. It's possible. Looking forward to meet you someday, Mr. McInerney. Don't plan on talking about flour. So I think when we disagree, it probably has a lot to do with the fact that we haven't, we're kind of at that line of like, yeah, we can argue about whether a good hamburger is grilled or it's baked or whatever you want to do, whatever thing you want to do with a hamburger. Once you Baked? Kind of, you ever had a baked hamburger? It's good. Baked? I've had a baked hamburger. It's, it's really, really good. I mean, yeah, if you don't have a grill or a pan, if you only possess a toaster oven and you simply have to have a hamburger. One of the best hamburgers I've ever had was baked. Well, you're going to have to defend why. It tasted really good. <laughs> <laughs> You're clearly not very practiced in the language of hamburgers, nor am I. We're not equipped to talk I about this. I am absolutely not an expert in hamburgers. I will give you that. I presume it was broiled, not baked. I, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know enough about it. I was just told by the waitress that it was a baked hamburger. I don't really, I didn't watch them make it. I have no idea what was happening. Who knows? So anyway, I think the reason we're disagreeing about things is because we're talking about things with fuzzy definitions, so it's hard to get to an endpoint. And, and that is... Admittedly, some of my frustration with some of these conversations is that, like, I don't really care at the end of the day what the definition of a movie is or the definition of a hamburger is. And, I, well, I think it's meaningful to a point, right? Like, if yeah. someone rolls up with a pizza and is like, best hamburger, what up? <laughs> then I want to have some way to say, like, well, your pursuit is a different pursuit, and here is why. Uh, and I think, ultimately, I don't have, like, the best words to describe this. I think it's kind of a bigger idea than I've been able to really grapple with. But yeah. Hamburger is just a word that we as humans invented to signify this type of thing. So it's very natural that there is some disagreement about what a hamburger is. And we keep using this kind of silly example, but people at home, stick in your own thing here, right? Like people disagreeing about what rap music is, people disagreeing about what constitutes a real horror movie versus a thriller versus a slasher versus a whatever. The deeper you get into a subculture, people will start to pick apart all these terms. And I think what's really happening is that. The term which the general public understands as here's a signifier for this thing such that we can talk about it and recognize it and identify it easily. Once you get really into that thing, it no longer holds up. This is why every industry in business and in technology and in every other industry has like lingo, right? Like you and I just say plumbing, but a plumber says, oh, well, that's this kind of pipe and this kind of joint and this kind of putty. And, you know, there's all these other parts that we just don't need to know about because we're only looking at it on a surface level. Well, is that lingo or is that just uh, definitions we don't understand? Like, I, well, that's like, what lingo I feel is. Like, what, what else is lingo? Well, I feel like lingo is kind of this like exclusive club of or words that barely mean anything, whereas we're just talking about well, you and I have a been deeper in technology understanding of the dictionary. Long. Technology has the hubris to invent its own new words and pretend that that's lingo, but I think in most industries it's just the specialized terms for things that other people wouldn't know because why would they know because it's very specialized lingo has a, a an air of uselessness in its definition i think this is something that i've been really been wrestling with because i for most of my life have had like a like a really gut reaction of just 
not liking any kind of lingo or like specific language for things, especially, especially when there is a more simple word to describe the thing that people are just not using because they either want to sound smart or whatever. Yeah. Um, you and I have talked about this at length uh, on our previous show. I have this whole episode that I got a lot of anger letters about. Uh, <laughs> I just have always been really against it. Uh, and then I've been listening to this other podcast uh, by this guy who is a game designer, and he's a game designer for a very popular card game. And he talks about uh, how one of the most important things he thinks he does in his job, or he heads up a whole development team that are making this one game, and they're constantly working on it, is that he comes up with terms for things. And these inventing of new terms, he thinks is one of the most important parts of his job, because, you know, linguistic relativity, which is something I believe in, which is that you give something a name, Mm -hmm. and then you can talk about it. This ties into an episode, right? We talked about how I really think the ability to discuss something and have a discourse about it makes the thing better. It, It gives you more tools and more ability to understand it when we have words for it yeah uh, and yet i also just my skin crawls when people use stupid made-up words for things that don't seem to make sense to me but i'm starting to have to recognize in my life that in a lot of those situations it's a thing that i just don't need the word for because i don't know enough about the thing to need this slightly different altered meaning of the word uh, and this does not give a free pass to people to use like horrible marketing speak and like dumb business lingo. But it is worth mentioning that I, I, I have softened a lot on my position that making up words is just stupid and we should use the words we already have because making up words is how we get new ideas, right? There's not a yeah. new idea without a new word. Well, I think it's, I, I think I can simplify it pretty easily for you. If it's a, if it's a new made up word that doesn't expand on uh, and it, like, if it's a new made-up word that doesn't add anything to the existing word for it, then it's just silly lingo. If it has a very clear meaning that is different from another word and that doesn't exist elsewhere, it might be a useful thing. Well, but I think a lot of those times that difference is not necessarily just obvious to a person that is not intimately familiar with that industry or culture. Like, I recognize that I may look at two terms or something and go, why would you come up with this new term? It's exactly the same as this other word we already had. And the person that does that thing for a living will go, no, it's actually kind of different. This one means this more, it's got this kind of tone of whatever. And this is something that's actually kind of unique about English, as I understand it. I don't speak other languages, but from what I've talked to people that do speak other languages, I think a thing about English is lots of like effective synonyms. Like, yeah, we have a million words for big, huge, enormous, giant, and they're all slightly different, right? Like you would call some things enormous that you would never call big and vice versa. And like, you sound like a crazy person explaining the differences of that to somebody that doesn't speak English. Because you're like, well, you know, you wouldn't call, uh, you know, this, uh, you wouldn't call this cup enormous, even though it's big for a cup, because uh, it's still kind of smallish, you would call like a mountain enormous or whatever the sort of difference is. Uh, and that's part of the beauty of the language. So I, I, I've just softened on it a little bit, which to tie this all back into what we're talking about, I think that people that kind of quibble about the definitions of things when they get, you know, deep into uh, a culture, whatever that culture is, are, are people that just need to recognize... This is deathcore. It's not hardcore metal. This is grindcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that weird Flash website that's got, like, every sub-genre of electronic music ever. It's like yep. a super ugly, weird purple website that's got a million different genres on it. Uh, yeah, like, to you and I, it's like, why are you inventing all these new words for these <laughs> things that all sound identical, basically? Uh, but we don't we don't have an ear for it. It's not meaningful to us. You and I are never going to talk about the distinction between industrial core and you know a transmission core or whatever they're called uh, because we're not gonna. That's not a thing we do in our life. But to somebody who is trying to make electronic music and studying this 
you know, creative pursuit, those things are very meaningful because you can, you know, look at them and uh, with with the simple word kind of allude to something that's a, a big, complicated idea, which, you know, you don't have to explain every single time. So I think people that really like to quibble about these things, if you want to quibble about it, that's fine. But I don't think that is the pursuit of good necessarily. I think at some point you're just like, okay, you two disagree on what a hamburger is. That's great. You're both making a good thing. Call it hamburger Susan and hamburger Lisa because you're just two different chefs making different hamburgers and you have your own versions of it. And we don't have to argue about whose is more hamburger because who cares? You're both pursuing good in like a different way. Well, is this, is this why maybe we want to use the word good and not best or something? Because like, it's almost like we're arguing about like a certain percentage, and then beyond that percentage, it doesn't matter anymore. As long as you're 90% hamburger, it's fine. But my question to you would be, like, isn't, isn't the pursuit of 99 or 99.9% hamburger really the best or great is, or that's closer to good? Like, what, well, wh- at what point, <laughs> do you know what I mean by that? Like, at what, there's a reason those subgenres start to exist is because we're trying to get closer to the true version of something and people just disagree about it. So he's like, are we saying it's not useful past 99% hamburger? I, I'm saying that, and this is another core tenet. Like, if you listen back to all the episodes and, you know, play back all our conversations, I believe I've never said the word best because... No, you never have. And I will give you that. Because a a core belief of mine about the pursuit of all things good and things bad is that there is no superlative. You don't... There is not the one. There is not some god hamburger out there that is waiting to be found and waiting to be made. It's just that there are lots of things that are all different that can be the best, right? Uh, or be be really really good. Uh, yeah, the, actually, be... the analogy I've come to in my own head in the way we t- we are talking about good and bad is that it is uh, analogous to heat, right? Heat and cold, or hot and cold. Uh, hot being uh, you know something you can define like molecules in motion. Cold is sim- simply the absence of heat, right? Whereas I think like I think good is something, and I think bad is just the absence of all the check boxes that lead to good, right? Is that is that a fair way to address good and bad? Yeah, and the important thing for me is I don't ever care to argue about what is more hamburger than something else. Like, it, I, I'm interested if someone has read the history and like knows the origins of the word and why it was invented. That to me is what makes the thing the most hamburger, right? If the word hamburger was invented because of some you know particular process that spits out square patties then that's the most hamburger because that's where that word comes from but that to me is not at all meaningful it's unrelated to the pursuit of good things and yes in order to improve ourselves matt in order to have that discourse we have to have it about a thing right like you and i can't just if we were you know trying to get better at making food or making things we wouldn't just set off in like different directions making anything edible and then trying to figure (laughs) things out we'd be like all right we're gonna get really good at making pizza and then you and i would work together and with on in a class or something we get to make the dough and we make the sauce from scratch and we would do all these components and we would get better and better at pizza and at a certain point you and i might be great at making pizza and we might just be like you know what i really think pizza is a thick crust uh with lots of toppings on top and someone's like i think pizza is really thin with very few toppings on top and it's like i don't care which one is more pizza i don't care about the one true pizza i care that you spent all that time and energy to like dig into something and come up with that opinion frankly and you can make lots of arguments that there is good deep dish pizza and good thin pizza i would argue in every single way you can subdivide a culture or subdivide a pursuit there is good and bad versions of it right like 
if you, you you may be a person that thinks that you know deep dish pizza is not even pizza it barely resembles it it's more like some weird tomato pie uh, mm-hmm. but there is still really good deep dish pizza and if you don't want to call pizza fine shut up you pedant but eat this delicious deep dish tomato pie because it's really good it's a good thing uh, and i think that that's what happens when you kind of follow these tendrils out so like you have this middle which for your purposes definition we're talking about just nothing right like nothing is there the absence of something is what bad is uh, and then as you kind of go out these tendrils in different directions, yes, eventually something branches off, and you and I disagree on what this word means, but that word is what got us to that point. We were pursuing pizza. Now we've got this other thing we're doing, which is totally fine. Don't argue about that. Who cares? Just keep making the thing that's good because the pursuit of that thing is what got you there, and, and, and that's what made you develop that taste. And taste is really, taste is just knowledge. Like, I think it's harder for us to accept because it feels less quantifiable, but like, I really feel like every movie watched, every album listened to, or for some people, like every sports game or sports season really like deeply absorbed is knowledge the same way that, you know, reading about American history or reading about mathematics is knowledge. Like that's, that's power that allows you to understand the world around you in a different way that is valid and meaningful and real. And then that's what developing taste means to me. So uh, yeah, I, I think developing taste is a real thing. I am it's very possible that I will tell somebody that uh, I think this is a good version of X, and if you disagree with me, I think you're wrong. And if you think <laughs> that's hubristic, then let's talk about it. Let's let's. If, if you have a really good reason why it's not a good example of X, and it's not just because you define X differently, yeah. uh, then let's let's get into it. But you know, th- that's that's an important thing because I think it's it's a, it's like I said, it's a double-edged sword. I'm willing to say that there are some things I've really invested myself in that I think I can tell you what's good and bad, and just like there are a few things I've dug really deep on. There are a million things I haven't that I'm looking to other people to have dug that deep on, right? That's why we have critics. Like I think undeniable good and undeniable bad or objective good and objective bad uh, must exist because of all of the critics that have spent their entire life trying to define it and boil it down to something as simple as a thumbs up or a thumbs down or a number of stars. And a critic to me is really just this magical combination of somebody that has had the exposure has had, uh, you know, really pronounced, really um, you know, uh, abnormal exposure to something, fantastic exposure to something, and also, A, has the ability to communicate with other human beings in a way that is clear, which is not a gift all of us have, uh, B, understands that not everybody is going to have that same context that they have, in fact, almost nobody is because of their, their incredible exposure to something, and that they can remember where they've been. Uh, like, I think the best critics also make the best teachers because teaching things is really hard. I, I've taught a couple of courses before, and it's really difficult because most people, myself included, once you've learned something, you forget what it was like to not know it. Like, you can't put yourself in that place anymore where you didn't know, you know, basic color theory or you didn't know uh, math or you didn't know whatever. And so you go teach somebody, you're like, oh, let me explain it the one way that my brain has processed it, and I'll explain it that one time, and surely you'll get it. And they don't, and you're like, what, what, what? Like, <laughs> I explained it to you. Were you listening? Here's how it works. And that's just not what learning things is. And so the best critics, I think, understand in a really visceral way that just like knowledge, a cultural experience is the same thing. Like, it's very difficult to remember what it was like. Like, and someday we'll do a whole episode on rap music, because... The rap music that I had to listen to to come to like what I now identify as good rap music is the most abominable rap music. I do not know what person I was that really liked 
B.O.B. and really liked Asher Roth. And like, I listened to these things, to these things constantly because it was, there were like footholds in a culture that I was familiar with, right? Like I had like followed this trail over from like the bro jam band music. And I've, you know, found a few bands that, you know, had some things in common and slowly like crossed this bridge. So yes, now from where I sit, I can't imagine what was going through my head that I really loved Asher Roth. Can't, can't understand that guy at all. Uh, took, you, took you a few Hoodie Allens to get to a Kendrick, right? Yeah, exactly. And Hoodie <laughs> Allen is another great example. Uh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of bad ones. Thank you, Last FM. But, but yeah, now where I sit, if someone tells me like, you know, Asher Roth is, is really good rap music. It's like, it's like the best rap music. I'm, I'm very willing to be like, nope wrong <laughs> and so so well here's here's a big question like you have been you have been saying like uh that's just being pedantic i don't really care about that but like at what point like do you feel like you're a point with rap music say that you are just uh pedant and that's all you can be because you just like you're too far in you can't possibly uh step outside of it to not notice the minor details and focus on those things well i i think there's a difference right like i if you want to talk about like who's a really good East Coast rapper versus a West Coast rapper versus a gangster rapper versus whatever. Um, I, I still don't even have the best ear for some of those distinctions. That's not, a lot of those reasons are not why I appreciate the music. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to like, here, here's the argument I won't have. I won't have the argument of, uh, you know, who's better, Kendrick or Kanye or whatever the question is, because then that's immediately just a question of, okay, well, are we talking about technical skill in rapping? Are we talking about writing? Are we talking about production? Are we talking about the whole package? How do you talk about the whole package, considering that they're making this art for such different reasons and for such uh, unique um, perspectives? But I, I can say that Asher Roth is emulating a thing that he is bad at. Like, uh, there, there is still bad things. And this, this is one of the things we have to come back to in another episode or many other episodes, because while I did say that, yes, at a certain point, things split, I don't think that Asher Roth is like deep dish and Kendrick is like thin crust and I'm just being pedantic about not liking deep dish. I think you can demonstrably look at someone like Asher Roth and point out all the ways in which he is leeching onto something that he did not create and he was not a part of and contributing nothing else to it. And by mere fact of the point that he's pulling in other things that he also did not create, he's able to carve his space out for him for poor lost boys like me that are trying to find their way through the world where you get stuck on an island for a little while until you figure out, you get your bearings and figure out what's actually going on. Uh, but yeah, like all the Asher Roth I listen he's to. He's just, he's a frozen crust. He's a canned tomato sauce. He's <laughs> cheese curd, or he's cheese whey. Is that like... I don't have the best way to describe it, but yet I think I don't have the, the words to describe it, and that's, that's what we're trying to do in the show. But I mean, I, I think do love, difference. I love the analogy between a pizza and, and uh, Hoodie Allen or Asher Roth or whatever. Like, is it the absence of cheese and tomato sauce, or is it a frozen crust? No, it's like somebody brought a cinder block to a party and was like, <laughs> dig in, pizza time. <laughs> Woo! But you have to admit that at least it resembles, you thought it resembled rap music. No, you're right. It's like they brought a piece of cardboard they had painted a pizza on with acrylic <laughs> paint to a party and said, dig in, it's pizza time. Uh, and so, yeah. I, I, and to me, like, I have a measure for that. All of the listening I did to Hoodie Allen and to Asher Roth and to these other rap, rap artists, uh, I got, like, basically nothing out of other than appreciation for better music. Like, Did you mean, like, a rap singer or something? Well, I, <laughs> I, I mean that, like, <laughs> the, the the measure i have for like why i can feel in my bones that 
that is not just a difference of opinion and some people like Asher Roth, some people like Kendrick. It's like the people that like Asher Roth have not listened to very much rap music. They have not developed their taste. And there are reasons why Asher Roth might sell, might be popular, right? The same way that you can sell a McDonald's cheeseburger, especially if somebody that's never had a cheeseburger before. For me, that had never listened to rap music, yeah, like stealing some of the stuff that other people are doing really well is going to sell some cheeseburgers. But I didn't get anything out of that music, like I said, other than the appreciation for better versions of that music over time. Like, I, I, I had no internal revelations. There was no lyrics that struck me and made me understand a person better, which is what happens when I listen to good rap music uh, or participate in any other kind of good music or good art is it expands me in a way that is meaningful. It's, it's real. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think that there is a spectrum and that Asher Roth is way down the ladder on that spectrum. So what does that mean? Do that mean? I certainly think it's this useful. is a journey. I bet people are going to be frustrated by this because, oh, it's hugely frustrating because I, I haven't love, figured it out. Like, I don't. Yeah, I can't tell you exactly why. I mean, I can give you some reasons, but like what I'm giving you is an effect, not a cause. Right. Like the effect of Asher Roth making bad music. Uh, or, or being a bad rapper, or not being a good artist in the way that Kendrick, or Kanye, or Earl Sweatshirt, or Vince Staples, or any of the other rappers I really like now are making good music. Uh, I can give you a reason, like the, the effect it has on me, the meaning it has in my life. Uh, I can give you technical things. I can point to the fact that, you know, these other artists are just doing a rudimentary version of what you know, more sophisticated people with more taste have experienced more. You can probably look at the data, right? Like I bet if you we're able to immediately know of all of the Asher Roth fans, uh, their age, the number of rap songs they've listened to, uh, and compare that to someone like Kendrick, uh, I think the data would be there. Like, I, I can't measure it right now, but I, I feel confident that it would be there supporting me that the more you've experienced this type of thing, the more you gravitate towards the good versions of it. But yes, I don't have a definition yet, Matt. I can't tell you the cause. I can only point to the reasons. And I recognize that that is not good science. We have to understand the cause. Sure. Well, let's let's use an analogy again and say, uh, I think I think for for human survival, developing taste has been very good so that we can separate uh, eating food that is good for you and eating poison. Right. Like that would be that would be one way that developing taste is an actual useful and good pursuit. Well, yeah, I mean, I I only (laughs) if only listening to Asher Roth caused you to die 24 hours later, that would really (laughs) it would help. It would cement (laughs) the idea that it's bad for you. So we haven't totally defined it in in things that might have either fuzzier definitions or are a little less consequential than food. Like I think we can both agree that uh, music is is uh, is higher on the hierarchy of needs, or like further up, literally on the hierarchy of needs than eating. Right? Yeah. Um, so therefore, the quant- the consequences are not as dire. They're not as related to survival. But we just really haven't figured out what it is about those things higher up on uh we haven't figured out the consequences of of listening to poison rap music yet and it's not that like i haven't i can't tell you sitting here exactly why but it's not like i think it's some magical you know recipe that doesn't exist like i think rap critics do it like you can look at an asher roth album and be like here is the extremely predictable rhyme scheme uh, here is the sophomoric content of all the lyrics with no depth of experience. Here is the lackluster production, which is repetitive and boring and unexciting. And we've heard on three albums last year uh, and has already been done. Like, here are the things that, like, they're there. We have words for them. It's just that people are not willing to accept that 
because somebody points out all the things that are quote unquote wrong with this thing that they like that that makes it a bad version of that thing. But I really think it does. Like it just, it just does that measuring those things and understanding them, they don't come out to numbers, but if you've had that experience, you can look at that and say that. And I listen to a lot of rap music, but not enough that I would ever, uh, I listen to enough that like, I'm still looking for other, to other people to like make recommendations and help guide me because people have way more experience and taste in rap music than I do. But I want to learn to have appreciation for what they like and understand in, in a context that I don't yet get. Well, tell me, actually, tell me what you think is more fair, because I've used two analogies to describe good and bad. I've used the, the heat, the hot and cold, right, where it's kind of like good uh is a is a concept and then there's purely absence of good and i've also used the scale of like poison to food uh as opposed to like no food to food right what do you think is more fair do you think <laughs> do you think we're talking about things that are poisoning you and bad for you because they're bad or do you think we're just talking about like a lack of any substance um i think those two things are actually maybe closer like that, that's not a difference to me like lack of substance and poison lack of substance in your short finite life might as well be poison well, lack of food certainly isn't going to keep you alive. It's going to so. make your life shorter, but you know what else is going to make your life shorter? <laughs> Wasting two years listening to Asher Roth. That's going to make your life shorter. Trust me, I've been down that road. Uh, so I, I see them as the same thing. Like Both of them are cutting back the time you have on this planet to appreciate the beauty of civilization. Well, I think we can agree then. If, uh, if developing taste is going to keep you alive longer, seems pretty good to me. 